0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Kel Smith, and joining me this week is David Weiser from Film Assessment.
1: Hi, it's good to be back.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, we are done pretty much with 2021 uh, for now, um, just to do a little housekeeping. Um, we, there probably is a couple more like stuff from 2021 we we could do, like Drive My Car or The Worst Person in the World. Um, because we did not get to those because they're just not playing anywhere near us, or or at least in the case for the worst person in the world, um, you know, most definitely. Um, Neon, release it already. You know, come on. Um, but yeah, so we might go uh, talk about those, but we are pretty much officially done. We've already done the best of 2021 list. That was last week's episode. Peacemaker is going to end its run, not this week wait no it is this week this upcoming week excuse me and david i think you've been watching that show as well
1: yeah i haven't seen the two most recent episodes but i watched the first i don't know like four or five or whatever
0: okay so i think we'll talk about that and uncharted together in the next couple weeks uh we do um plan on talking about death in the nile um, because there's just way too much champagne in my back closet, enough to fill a Nile. Um, so we got to get through some of this champagne by talking about Death on the Nile. So uh, we, will, we will get to that episode either later uh, this coming week or the next week. But either way, you know, we're done for a little bit. Um, but we are going to talk about one thing that did premiere in 2021, but wrapped up in 2022. And David, what is that show?
1: It's some sort of book. I, I don't know why it's called a book, but it, it's the book of, uh, who's that character? He's in the background a lot. He doesn't really have very much dialogue. Uh, Bosk? No, 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 no. It's another It's another character that's, uh, that's a bounty hunter and he starts with a B. Who could it be?
0: I think it's Dad with Django. Um <laughs> Um was also his dad was also a bounty hunter, but maybe not part of the Mandalore. We don't know. Uh any, yeah. Okay, it is the book of Boba Fett. I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. (laughs) I intend to rule with respect. Um, We're here to talk about the book of Boba Fett, the, I guess, highly anticipated um, return. Question mark. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's the thing because I mean, as, so okay, so to add context to the question, um after Mandalorian season two's like very strong finale and very you know hyper intense finale, if you will, um everyone got this you know post credit you know tease for the book of Boba Fett that was going to come out in December 2021 there was all this hype but then literally it kind of vanished within that year because we knew nothing all we knew the only news we heard was like robert rodriguez was going to direct some episodes and then dean cundy of like robert zemeckis and john carpenter fame uh was going to serve as a dp on like a handful of episodes um so but that's literally it I mean, and then they dropped the teaser in late October, and then the show just kind of came out after Christmas with no, like fanfare, no reviews. It just kind of came out like a wet fart, and uh, and and to kind of a book go, of
1: Boba Fett is John yeah. Favreau's wet fart. That's it is. <laughs> that's a good way to. <laughs>
0: It is. It is. But it's also like a co-wet fart with Dave Filoni,
1: Dave Filoni, Robert Rodriguez, and John Favreau's is like wet fart.
0: Yeah. So okay. I I think we're kind of you know playing our hand a little bit, but um, kind of going into it. So I I don't really like the show. Like I think, and you and I have talked about it over the last eight weeks about it. And I have always felt like the problem with the show was that it always had a structural problem with it going back and forth and not really paying too much to what the present, like what its present plot is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we get this vague plot that, you know, the setup, which is, you know, Boba Fett and Phoenix Shane, uh, they want to uh, basically take over Tatooine, or at least the city in Tatooine, and rid it of these spice traders called the Syndicate. So, but that's only that's only all we know for really for the first two or three episodes, because we flash back, you know, you know, extensively to when he was saved um, by the Tusken Raiders, or captured by the Tusken Raiders, so. And then, after that story wraps up in episode three, we get, you know, just kind of like a bonus episode of how Boba Fett and Finnix Shin, you know, got together or became a partnership, and then five, and then the show does this weird turn, uh, where it just goes back to the Mandalorian, it, you know, and then it, and then it continues this effort through episode six, and then it just rears back to the main plot. All throughout episode seven, and so it's like a weird structural problem. Um, but and that's where my, and that's my general thoughts on the show is that it's a show that has a lot of promise, but the structural issues like just crumble at every point. Um, mm-hmm. But but you go ahead, David. What else do you What do you think of the show?
1: It definitely felt like. There was like a lot of potential, especially in like the the plot line with like the Tusken Raiders that just kind of gets snuffed out really early on. And like, um, then there's like, it feels like the present day storyline stalls for seven episodes to finally have something go down in the finale. And then even that feels anticlimactic after they've like (laughs) kind of just like, just held off on really doing much of anything noteworthy in the present day involving Boba Fett for that long. And then it's like, it all, it, it kind of just felt like fan fiction, like all the entirety of the series. Like you have, i this has been kind of memed to death or whatever already, but like the fact that Boba Fett escaping the Sarlacc pit mirrors uh, Patton Oswald's narration uh, or the filibuster thing from parks and recreation like the fact that they like more or less recreated that like like dialogue for shot like it it was like almost the exact same scenario and the fact that they recreate that like that alone feels like fan fiction and then all of the stuff uh and once um once mandalorian kind of hijacks the show for a few episodes um that felt like fan fiction to me like it felt like fan service drove the story not theme or character or anything like noteworthy and it's really weird because this show has no discernible message you don't really feel like the characters grow through this experience and it's just it feels like it's really the weirdest thing to me is that the idea of like the very idea of Boba Fett kind of becoming a crime lord is, could be compelling, but it feels like they don't do anything interesting with it throughout the entire series. Like, he just is like, I'm gonna be better. Um, I don't want bounty hunters to get killed by dummies. And uh I, I'm i going to, uh, I am, I'm in charge of Tatooine. This is my city. And it's like, why is this your city? Why, why do you have this strong attachment to the city? And none of it's really fleshed out in a meaningful way. Like you you thought like, it. I don't know it's like the tuscan raider thing like there was a lot of potential there and that just gets snuffed out when they just like get killed off in like the third episode or whatever um yeah. i have so many gripes with the show but that's like kind of like an overarching <laughs> thing
0: yeah absolutely like no like that's the you brought to mention the city i'm like yeah Tatooine. why do you want to care so much for Tatooine? why do we care like like Luke. Like our hero Luke Skywalker wanted to leave, mm-hmm. so in so like why why does anyone care about Tatooine ever anymore? Like it, it symbolically is just an empty hole. Um, the only reason like going back to Tatooine works in something like Return of the Jedi is because it shows the care. Because when we finally see Luke back in Tatooine. It shows the growth that he had, you know, achieved, you know, through being away, being on, you know, Yoda's planet, or the sorry, the Dagobah system. You know, it shows how much growth he has, you know, accumulated in, you know, the absence of of not being on Tatooine. And so, and then we cut to, you know, Boba Fett. Whereas, I, I, I'm and I'm gonna full blown admit it. I'm only really here for the live action Star Wars stuff. I don't really watch Clone Wars. I don't watch Rebels. I know there are good shows like out there that are animated but I'm just like I don't have like all that time in the world to sit through all of it. So I don't know who characters like Cad Bane are or you know the relationships that you know Boba Fett and Cad Bane are And, and maybe that's my own disadvantage but like watching this and trying to pick through like what, so who is Boba Fett? You know, for someone like me, it's like, okay, who is Boba Fett? We only met him in two other movies and a holiday special. What is, who is he? Like, what does he want? And in the end, we do get some wants, like he wants to basically just be unionized. He wants to unionize bounty hunting in a way. Like that's basically what I guess the allegory is supposed to be. Like he's just starting a union. um. Uh, but uh, that's, but in the end it's so unclear and it's so like, it's so unimportant to the creators to the writers because we spend so little time with the main conflict. You know, the main main present conflict that, you know, really everything that happens in the present of the book of Boba Fett could have been told in a movie. Like, it could have been told in a two-hour film. Not in a, I guess, four-hour cut-seven pieces, you know, TV show with, you know, uh, with a bunch of detours, you know, that revolve around The Mandalorian, so, or uh, Dindarjan, whatever his name is. When did-
1: did, yeah Dinjarin. when do we want to like are, are we already kind of on full spoiler mode like I'm just wondering what what um, my boundaries are because <laughs> okay. because you've already mentioned like Cad Bane and things so I don't know what I need to know where my perimeter is
0: um I guess we can get more specific I, I kind of only mentioned those as a peripheral because it's kind of already out there you know the cat yeah. in the show Mando, Mando's in the show Grogu's in the show like it's all mentioned that you know all these characters are there but what their purpose serves is I haven't none none of us have like laid out yet so I guess we can get more specific um so what were some specific things you wanted to bring up
1: well I guess we kind of need to like go I kind of want to guess follow the structure of the show so I don't want to like start with good luck like I guess like I like it I don't want to start with the back end and just like complain about that for the next hour or whatever
0: okay but <laughs> uh, that's fair so, that's fair yeah. I, that's fair because I mean I actually do like the first episode of the show but go ahead
1: so I guess from the beginning I, I kind of mentioned already we see him like how he escapes the sarlacc pit and then like there's like I guess little inklings of like the potential of like him wanting to become a better crime lord, but then like we, as we kind of mentioned, it's never really materialized. His motivation never feels anything more than that. Like it's just kind of like that's about it. Uh, beyond what we kind of discussed, like they never really fleshed that out any more than that. And then like I like the flashback storyline involving the Tuscan Raiders till it kind of gets snuffed out. Like I kind of mentioned, like I thought there was a lot of interesting. Like narrative there, like like I think that if that had been drawn upon in like the modern day storyline, like maybe instead of roping in like that free town to come in at the finale, maybe if the like if you hadn't killed off this Tuscan tribe and you had brought them in as. As, like backup but like his little army or something or maybe like maybe even if it was like another Tuscan tribe maybe he like united all these Tuscan tribes that were like scattered across the Dune Sea or whatever and, like yeah. that could be interesting like yeah I don't know it just felt like it was kind of just used to like propel his character like it as like this like motive it almost felt like they're like f- like fridged the Tuscans <laughs> kind of like a, like that's basically what happened like if you really think about it that's what they were really the purpose of them within the context of the series
0: yeah well yeah i mean they basically are because you know we spend so much time with them you know we spend time with boba especially in episode two uh with him like basically it's like i mean episode two is basically dances with wolves
1: and that episode was actually genuinely quite good um, there were, there are a few other episodes I liked, but I, I, really, that was probably my favorite overall, maybe chapter five might have like a slight edge, but like those two were the chapters I liked the most. Um, but yeah, that's like kind of coexisting and kind of like sharing of culture. Like I thought that was really fascinating.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really good. The only problem is 90% of all that is a flashback.
1: yeah that too
0: so like that's kind of the only thing is that so the first two episodes like I really love this idea of like because that's what basically what I thought this show was supposed to do was to recontextualize Boba Fett as this like cold villainous bounty hunter to being you know a hero to being an anti-hero who wants to do better for one community you know, and to recontextualize him through the Tusken Raiders, who are also seen as like villains within the Star Wars universe, or not necessarily villains, but just like primal, you know, you know, they're they're seen as a more primal race, you know, in the Star Wars universe, and to see these two forces, you know, basically form a community, form an allegiance against like a train trade is actually a smart idea. Like, that was, that's an incredibly brilliant idea and a great way into an idea about Boba Fett. You know, if this was, like, one movie, this would be a great idea for a movie of, like, Boba Fett You know, is just stuck on this planet in Tatooine, and he has to basically become one with this tribe, and that's how he, like, kind of gets his mojo back. You know, that's how he recontextualizes, that's how he rebuilds himself that would be a great idea for a show or even a movie uh the problem is they they showed the post credit scene of him like on java's palace so now they're gonna gotta be like well we got to come up with a plot for that so because that's clearly like i i feel like that's the main issue with the show is that they had this great tease and then they realized oh we're not really that interested in this at all
1: yeah, and it's weird how they kind of like dilly dally around that plot in terms of like giving Boba like an antagonist because like, like it starts off like it seems like the mayor of the town is kind of against him and they that is kind of carried through but like they, they don't really ever do much with that and then like then they then like the Jabba's cousins or relatives or whatever come in like you have these other huts which I've just got to say, like, this is probably the best the Huts have looked in live-action CGI-wise. I, I still like Puppet mm-hmm. Jabba the most, but this is probably oh. the best Hut CGI I've seen, and so God, kudos to that. And then uh Christan- Christanson, they call it Christanson, he was a cool character. He's brought in from a comic book, but, like, without, I feel like he's a character worked independently of that. Um, like, you just, like, okay, he's a Wookiee bounty hunter. Okay, that's cool, I guess. Um like so then you have okay, this is his antagonistic force. And then it's like, oh, the huts are like, oh, we're leaving, the pikes have claimed this. Uh we're just gonna ditch him here and we're giving you a rancor. it's like okay, cool. Uh okay, so now the pikes are the villains, right? And then like yeah. the pikes aren't even seen really much at all for like the next two or three episodes, and then they finally show up and do some stuff in this penultimate episode. They, like, blow up the bar with Madame Garza, which was another pat- character with a lot of potential that they didn't really do much with. She just, like, operates this, like, kind of bar similar to, like, um, Casablanca type thing. Like, mm-hmm. she's this, like, neutral space that gets blown up and she dies. And, uh, oh, and I guess they killed off Max Rebo again, unless he's, like, a two-time bomber survivor. because. <laughs>
0: oh my god well and also like you mentioned you know that's jennifer beal legendary like character actress and yeah she's just here in the show to look you know great and be neutral and then she i guess is dead
1: (laughs) yeah she was she was such an interesting character at least like she had like the potential to be a very interesting character but they don't really do anything with her she's just kind of yeah there and he comes up and like has a conversation with her for her to like give some exposition delete him somewhere else Mm -hmm. and that's like her purpose for the show and it kind of sucks that like they limit her as a character that much and then speaking of other female characters in this show (laughs) being really uh, (laughs) i guess like um cornered or like also having limited potential like fendick Shand, like she's in like she's in most of the series but like she doesn't really do much besides shoot a sniper rifle and do some flips and then like she has, like, some interesting conversation here and there, of like, giving him advice as, like, kind of his, like, senior um, advisor, I don't know, uh, or, like, kind of lieutenant or whatever, like, but, like, as a character, she doesn't really get any, any notable, no, tr- anything, any, she doesn't have very many attributes or anything, like, there, there's no, like, depth to her beyond the fact, oh, she's a mercenary and she's, she's good with a sniper rifle, she can do some flips, she's Boba's right-hand woman, and then, like, that is another character that I felt was kind of wasted, but I guess we'll get more to that when we get to the finale, but, uh, like, so the Pikes finally strike, and now they've hired Cad Bane, so it's like, okay, here's our, another kind of antagonist, and it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see him in live action if you're a Clone Wars fan. Um, if you're not a Clone Wars fan, I think his introduction still kind of works, but it like, is a good intro like it
0: yeah. is a, like it's a very good traditional like search owned drawn out like villain intro mm-hmm. like it is very well done
1: but then like you were saying like his relation but like even in the context of the clone wars i think cad cad bane is in a lot of episodes and so is boba fett but like as a little kid but like they don't They're never. I think they're in the same episode, like once or twice, in the entirety of the series. So even in the context of the Clone Wars, there's not much of a foundation for the relationship there either. So like what you were complaining about isn't something that's like magically fixed if you've watched the Clone Wars. Like they, I think they're they're in like one or two episodes yet. And so there is there was like a deleted Clone Wars episode that never got aired where they have a duel and a, boba's are they have a duel and boba has his mandalorian armor at this point that's repainted but um cad bane puts the dent in his helmet it's like kind of it's like the origin of the dent i guess but like so it's like left unambiguous oh my God. but this this episode was never finished because the clone wars was canceled by this point and when they brought it back this wasn't one of the episodes that they finished the animatics for so it's something that could potentially be brought in like Bad Batch or something. But like it was like kind of left ambiguous whether the Cad Bane died. But then he shows up in Bad Batch, which is like the beginning of it's kind of like Revenge of the Sith type era. Mm-hmm. So like it it reveals he would have survived that. So anyways, they don't really have much of a dynamic within the canon beyond like that unfinished duel that I just mentioned and one or two episodes of the Clone Wars together.
0: Yeah, and then you know Cad Bane just dies, and you're like, "Oh, I guess that's supposed to be a big moment," but I don't feel anything because I don't these care. I just know these these characters just met each other for the first time in live action ever. So, mm-hmm. so when they have this big duel, you know that's the other problem with this show. Like, if this show was smart at all, they would have brought Cad Bane, you know, earlier on in the show earlier on the season to be the more central threat and to be kind of more you know of a present threat that you know antagonizes you know boba and fennec you know in all their duties you know maybe even antagonizes the teenagers um you know that so but then he just comes in you know at the end of the end of episode six and is a really good, given a good introduction, um, but you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be a villain character that's probably going to be like a Gus Fring from Breaking Bad or, you know, a character or, like, or, you know, a character that, you know, is a villain, but, or an antagonist, but, you know, will be like a mainstay for the show, but then he dies the next episode, you know, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I, I guess, Oh, I guess that's the end. Great. Um, and then, and then the other thing is, you know, when the Pikes reveal that they killed the Tuscan tribe, I'm like, wait, I thought they already. I thought Boba already knew this.
1: I yeah. thought this was
0: driving everything. Wait, he doesn't know. He just thinks some random group of. He thinks some random train people did it. Like, what? <laughs> what? That's the other problem. The show. So when the Tuscan Raider tribe they're killed and it's supposedly the symbol it's like I thought that was the symbol of the pike so cinematically you have failed (laughs) to imply you know I
1: understood it was the biker gang because I think in like either earlier in that episode or the previous episode he encountered that biker gang at some like local bar and fought them to take their speeders or whatever and like when they were terrorizing those people they like spray painted that symbol on the wall or whatever so i i understood that but like it did seem like kind of obvious that like okay well the pikes probably like hired them to do it or something but now we know like they like
0: they actually did it
1: it. yeah they did it themselves so it's like it's weird to like just hold that in as some like big secret when it's just like oh well i mean it seemed kind of obvious that like there was going to be some connection there um but then like it's just really weird that like Boba Fett is like like renowned throughout the galaxy or whatever and like so like just in terms of this is just kind of speaking more to the beginning of the show like and then like he has such like a little he's taken over Jabba's palace but he has such a little pathetic like band of like people supporting him like because it really just starts out with him and Finnick and then he gets like two Gamorrean guards which is like okay you got some piggies yeah um and then like then he recruits the cringe cyborg people which I hate them they're uh, they're so like uh I, I hate it every moment they, they did not fit in this show it wasn't like I know a lot of people like made the con- like the conversation about they don't belong in Star Wars, but I felt they just didn't fit the show like 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 the aesthetic of them and like what the cyborg thing like it's just like I don't I don't want to I just don't want to see this like.
0: <laughs> I can buy them in the show. The problem is, the problem is, and this and we'll get into this conversation in a little bit. They feel like. The character they belong on
1: like *Coruscant* or something.
0: Well, they feel like characters from *Alita: Battle Angel*, not mm-hmm. *Star Wars*. They feel like that teen gang that Alita uh, teams up with in *In Alita: Battle Angel*. More than you know, some kids from Tatooine. Um, yeah. So it feels so that's already like a disadvantage. And 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 to be fair, like the Robert Rodriguez episodes that uh, Rodriguez directed. They do feel they do have like a lot of his like signature things. I mean, not to jump to the end, but the whole you know twist and turn, you know, to shoot. That um, was
1: something I could care less about. I found them cringe for other reasons. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I, I loved it. I think. I mean, it's kind of silly that they were. You know, I I do think it was kind of silly that you know they just you know threw the you know the the Wookiee who's injured. And now he's just going to stand and start shooting on the, even though he's, like, injured. <laughs> but, I mean, that's... Yeah, he, and then... That's a minor then thing. Then, like, kind of yeah. going back
1: to, like, how he was... This is kind of where I was going with this. Like, how he starts out with this, like, pathetic little force of people. And, like, his, he has, his palace has, like, no defenses. Like, Kristalstan like, sneaks it's in fun. and almost yeah. kills him. And it's, like... <laughs> why how okay if you're like the most renowned bounty hunter in the galaxy and you talk about you have all this money to hire people and you know other bounty hunters that we've seen in like empire strikes back who are probably still alive at this point because this is right after return of the jedi why don't you hire your old buddies or like i know it's probably like competition or whatever but it's like they're gonna probably come work for you because you got the money like why i'm not saying like this movie needed to like or the show needed to bring in cameos from like like it already has enough cameos as is but like i feel like those cameos would have felt more authentic and made more sense in terms well it would have felt more organic i guess is what i could what i should say than what they do end up doing later on which we'll get to um i still want to kind of focus on the i guess the boba of it all before we get to that but uh it's just so strange as like all the all the like weird missed opportunities like the you had potential organic fan service and you go down this weird route of like kind of doing Mandalorian season three and then coming back to this and it's just so weird
0: it's like they were bored they got bored halfway (laughs) through their fan fiction and then went back to their other fan fiction and then realize they could just, you know, marry the two to finish the season <laughs> to finish yeah. one fan fiction and it's just like, you know, now, I mean, going into Mandalorian season 3 if you skip Book of Boba Fett for whatever reason,
1: you're going to be so confused.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're going to be like you're going to be like, "Oh my god, now I have to watch now I have to watch 5 hours of Boba Fett just, you know, un i mean this the, you know unstructured you know just made up as they were going along like what what why why couldn't this one thing just be about bubba fett like it's not and bubba mm-hmm. fett here's the crazy part you have a clean slate you can do whatever you want you you can make a whole story about bubba fett and not have anything to do with mandalorian or uh or it, just anything just like set him on this little you're i mean you can, don't even have to be on tattooing you can just be like okay we're gonna go visit you know the rainy planet again you know it's just yeah the, it's, yeah
1: those two episodes do kind of indicate to me the the chapter chapter five and six and maybe even the finale kind of do indicate to me that they're gonna like the angle of this disney plus star wars series universe or whatever like within the canon of it like it feels like they're trying to kind of replicate the mcu thing with star wars in a way by like having character crossover all the time but it feels like it to me what i don't like about that like i don't mind them bringing in other characters if it makes sense and feels organic to the story like even mandalorian showing up to help them like that's fine but like the whole detour story thing we've been talking about feels so inorganic to what's going on now. And it's just, it just, it feels like they're kind of trying to replicate that big cross, they're, like this culmination of this big crossover event that's coming down the line or something. And it's just like, why, why are we doing this? It just makes the galaxy feel so small. And it, it's weird to me because you could bring in other familiar characters that makes sense to the narrative, like I like I was talking about these other bounty hunters. You could have like Zuckus, IG88, Bosk, but like you don't even have to go that to, for them. But like you, like you've wiped the slate clean, like you were saying, and you've you've established these other bounty hunter characters that are and in you're introducing, and like you don't really make much use of them either. It's just this puzzling thing.
0: It is. It's so, and even more so, the decisions even being made on casting is puzzling because you have you go all the way out of your way to have Mark Hamill play Luke Skywalker in like an AI form, but then you recast um, Ahsoka as you know Rosario Dawson, yeah, instead of the other actress, you know, even though in, yeah, even though. Uh, you hired um, the actress who was Bo-Katan on the show to be the actress on The Mandalorian. And
1: every other animated character that they've translated to live action, they've kept, if they, the physical performer in the case of like Cad Bane or Darth Maul in the case of Solo may be different, but like, well, Darth Maul isn't translated to live action, but they brought Sam Witwer's voice to him with Solo. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm referencing there but like with with Cad Bane they have a different physical performer but Corey Burton's voice is used for Cad Bane and that's the same voice from the Clone Wars and then you have the same actress for Bo-Katan like you were mentioning but they don't do it with Ahsoka it's weird inconsistencies and then like you're willing to recast a younger Han Solo but you want to do this weird deep fake AI Luke Skywalker thing and the weirdest thing about that to me that like is the the stand-in actor who portrays him in the finale? I'm sorry, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he he shows up. He actually shows up in chapter five of the Mandalorian as like an X-wing pilot. Um, but that actor actually has a pretty strong resemblance to Mark, a younger Mark Hamill. He doesn't look like the splitting image per se, but I think like he probably would have been fine to just use this guy but instead they go for this robotic monstrosity thing, which it, it, it admittedly the CGI on it looks a lot better in the context of this show than it did in the Mandalorian finale. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just so weird to me that it's, why don't you just let, oh, I think his name is Max Lloyd-Jones. It just popped yes. in my head. Um, yes. He, I think he would have done a great job or like, I would have preferred that. Like, I think that would have been a nice, uh alternative but uh i i would i i I do not really like the idea of like the fan casting of like oh let's have sebastian stan be luke skywalker but so I, i like this as like a nice happy medium of like let's get an unknown actor and like let's go like kind of the doctor sleep route and like kind of recasting these characters in their younger age and now I'm worried. Like they've kind of set this precedent. They've done this with Luke, so now if they do, like there was a rumor that Han Solo was going to show up, and I was really glad he didn't. Uh, they didn't do this deep fake Han Solo monstrosity because that I, I did not want to see that, and it didn't feel like it would make it feel like it make even less sense than everything else that's going on in the show that we've said makes no sense. Um, and, and I'm dreading the possibility of them doing a deep fake Luke, Han, and Leia. Like, if they do a deep fake Carrie, like, I think it, I didn't mind it so much for Rogue One, because it's, like, a split-second thing. It's and one when they at the time when they did it, Carrie hadn't passed, so it didn't feel as, like, and then, like, and even The Rise of Skywalker, when they do use Carrie, like, it's an actual, it's her performance that they just, like, stitched into the movie and rode around, which led to its own issues, but, like, at least it's mm-hmm. not some ai monstrosity that's like pretending to be a human and you lose like the humanity of this performance like it just feels like it's robot talking
0: well okay so we're jumping around to luke um so the problem with episode six is you know you it's like 20 percent of the plot of boba fett and then Boba Fett's not even really in the penultimate finale, and then we just spend so much time with Luke and Grogu, and Dinjar uh, the M- Mando. We just you know are with these other characters rather than Boba Fett in his penultimate finale, and you know. And you mentioned the AI monstrosity of Luke. It's not even that the CGI is bad. I think that I think the CGI has gotten better and it's actually really good it's just the voice is now disembodied
1: (laughs) like yes like that that's what i'm saying like i mean like the the cgi is very convincing now and i don't mind that so much but it just feels weird that we're like beholden to recreate mark hamill for this performance and now like i don't like well i guess this involves the finale so i'll wait till we get there but uh like, I, I just don't like the idea of, oh, like, I liked the idea of, um, I didn't mind Luke showing up in the finale of The Mandalorian because it felt like it could have been a one-time thing and they they just let him go off with Grogu and we don't see either of them again. But then in the very next show they release, they incorporate that into it, uh, like, they kind of shoehorn it in for no reason and it it's just frustrating and it, I, I don't, I don't know. No, it's, I don't like the idea of kind of just making it like Luke's going to be a regular in all these shows.
0: Yeah, especially now that it's very possible, it's very possible that that this version of Luke will be in Ahsoka, um, the Ahsoka show, and it's just like, oh god, this is going to not work at all because you know, not only are we dealing with a disembodied you know actor, uh, well. <laughs> But you're. It's but also I mean there's all this context around it, and also it doesn't even make it better that the fan community is, or um I guess the negative part of the fan community has just like rallied around this like, now we have the technology, now we have you know our heroes back, and it's like, uh, our heroes never left, they just got older. <laughs>
1: They yeah. got older
0: because of age, because time works like that. And like, that's the more like scary precedent: is that no matter what, no matter now, if we do recast, you know, heaven forbid we recast, you know, Mark Hamill and Rick Carry Fisher, um, it will just never be good enough because now people will be wanting more of this AI thing, and it's like, well, but why like it, and that's where like i'm worried more about star wars going forward it's like not only can we not even have a character have a, a new show you know in his own self-contained story the way the marvel cinematic universe does you know for most of their films it's now it's not even going to be possible for you know it's not going to be possible to satisfy fans to you know to not work around the limitation of someone not being there. If someone can't be there because of a casting thing, well, or a scheduling conflict, well, I guess we'll just use an AI form of them. And it's just going to be weird. But hey, these guys are, everyone's just going to be happy about it. And so that's where, that's why like episode six, it's like, it's really exciting seeing, you know, Luke's school being built. It's really exciting seeing all this because in a way, like, John Favreau and Dave Filoni—they're tipping their hat to you know the sequel trilogy, because all mm-hmm. of that stuff looks like it's from the sequel trilogy. You know, so it's not like they're like just like foregoing all that. Which I mean, that's not Filoni's thing anyway. I mean, Filoni's the guy that basically made the prequels like legitimately, like found a way to f- make the prequels work within their own you know within their own worlds. Through Clone Wars and that kind of thing so so that's so I mean I, I don't I guess what I'm getting at is the reason why episode 6 is so problematic is because it shows a future of Star Wars that's not that compelling and also shows a side of and it just shows a side of fandom that's just like it's getting what they want but still not satisfying yeah
1: um one other thing about the cgi luke thing like even like just in terms of a practical budgetary standpoint why would you pour all this money into recreating mark hamill's luke when you can just pay a guy probably substantially less money <laughs> to just oh, yeah show up and film you know like they're already paying the stand-in to be there and act for these scenes why are you covering him up in digital makeup just to like I don't know like I, I understand the purpose is to satisfy fans or whatever and that gets into this fan service tangent that the, the, it's like this whole thing that I'll probably go on this whole rant for um but yeah, yeah, yeah. um right. just to kind of go back to episode five really quick because yes. that's kind of the transition point because um, I feel like we have kind of talked about the beginning section of the show plenty and we're kind of getting into this transition in this middle area but like kind mm-hmm. of so I that, that episode was actually pretty strong I think Bryce Dallas Howard is definitely one of their better directors that they have in their little stable like her and Rick Famuyua and Deborah Chow are probably my three favorites mm-hmm. um, but so I really liked her episode I thought it was cool that Mando got a uh Nibu starfighter is his new ship even though it doesn't seem like it would be as practical for bounty hunting as his last one but it's a cool it's cool that he has a starfighter and it's uh, like kind of a gutted down version of it and it it looks really nice and it's cool and like the space flight sequences were pretty great um it was fun kind of seeing him go through like the pod racer area the beggar's canyon and stuff
0: yeah that is cool and it looks really good like that's the other thing. It was
1: fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then I like. I also liked. Uh, I I've seen this kind of be twisted, kind of in like a toxic way of like comparing him to Ray and stuff, which is kind of just it's like. Uh, um, I don't want to go down all of that baggage, um, but like I liked that when he was using the dark saber at the beginning of the episode, he was clearly very kind of a noob with it, and he was kind of like <laughs> cutting into himself and stuff. Like he was like. He was kind of kicking ass in the scene, but he was like kind of ended up like walking away with like a bruised leg. Like he kind of yeah. cut into his own leg and stuff and he, he walked away very injured. And then uh, kind of where the show like kind of is starting to worry me in the, in the course of the Mandalorian arc, I guess, is that it feels like it's almost kind of regressing him possibly with like he was so worried about Grogu and he's like, oh, I'm going to have this thing made for him and now he's like uh the armor asks him have you ever removed your helmet and he's like yes now because we know that's happened in the season two and we understand that means a lot to him but like he seems so concerned with their opinion of it when he he's holding this dark saber which it basically entitles him to rule their society and they're telling him the rules. It doesn't make any sense uh, in terms of the logic that's been presented and like fits in with the context of the Clone Wars and Rebels. Like it, this doesn't make any sense what's happening uh, in terms of this like dynamic here. And he's like, needs his urge, his need to please them when we've established in the previous season of the Mandalorian, that their rules are bullshit anyways like it's established that this is like some little cult offshoot of the mandalorian culture and they're the only ones that have this no helmet helmet rule that it doesn't really mean anything like it like it, he's met mandalorians that don't adhere to this
0: yeah Bo-Katan. he feels
1: so strong yeah he feels he met bo-katan and her other friend and like he still feels like this urge like and it kind of alludes to the possibility of some arc in season three where he's searching down for this mythical creature this like mythosaur in order to like reverse this sin he's done like of like removing his helmet and so i'm a little concerned about that um but otherwise i really liked that episode a lot and i think even though it had some fan service it didn't feel like very self-congratulatory or too much like fan fiction. I think that episode handled fan service well, except I, I, I don't like the droid lady, um, Peli Pelly I
0: Amy Sidaris.
1: Yes, she feels like she just walked off of an like SNL sketch making fun of characters in Star Wars. Her and the, like the Twi'lek, uh the male Twi'lek who's like the the guy for the governor who's got like the little data pad and stuff. They both feel like they walked off a sitcom or an SNL sketch. Or and I don't like that.
0: Or the holiday special. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, but yeah, no the, Well, here's the thing about Amy Sedaris's character. Like it's like, I didn't find her annoying in The Mandalorian because she's only in just, like, literally in the first two seasons combined, like, f- maybe three or four scenes tops. The problem I found her is-
1: most annoying in the episode she was introduced in because that one felt like a sitcom plot where she's like, gotta babysit you Baby Yoda and he's running around and I can't find him. What are we gonna do? <laughs> Insert laugh track here. Uh, that's why I hate her. <laughs>
0: written and directed by dave filoni uh no um so what i the problem with amy sadar's storyline is in episode five and this is the problem i have episode five is that it really goes on like there's a whole montage of them building this new ship that again has not and it's the problem i have it's the only problem i the biggest problem i have with episode five and six is you question yourself after every episode. So what does this have to do with Boba Fett? What does this have to do? (laughs) What's this have to do with the main storyline? Because, I mean, Finnick Shin coming in, you know, at the end episode to be like, hey, Mando, we got a job. And do you want to come help us, like, liberate tattooing or something? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll even do it for free because we're all besties.
1: We're bros
0: yeah we're all bros and besties you know it's It's really
1: weird to me that like you don't need to show anything that happens in that episode really i mean while i enjoy that episode you really don't need any of it like you you don't need to show where he got this ship from no one cares he got a new ship okay that's cool uh like maybe have her contact him and he shows up at the new ship and we're like oh mando's got a new ship and then we leave it at that. Like, we don't need all this other additional backstory stuff. And then, like, with that, you could probably cut a majority of Chapter 6 that we're about to complain about. <laughs> yeah. The thing,
0: epi- yeah. But, I mean, you're right. Episode 5 is really good. And what I do like about, and I and I know I keep putting 5 and 6 together, but the one thing I do love about 5 and 6 and what it sets up for Manolo Season 3 is that, you know, you have now two characters that are in conflict with the cults they hail from. You know, you have Mando's from, you know, Mandalorian, who has this, the whole no-helmet, you know, cult. Uh, and then, you know, in him trying to rectify, like, do I, you know, rectify that need? Because he's basically been raised by these people. He's been raised to want the honor, the attention, the the glory that comes with you know you know being a mandalorian and then you have grogu who you know leaves you know his jedi order he leaves the jedi behind but he still uses his powers so now you have two characters who are in conflict of you know of you know their own kind of like their own people their own you know calling and how do they rectify like the problematic, you know, errors, you know, in each one of them? That sets up a really interesting conflict in Mando season three. Again, the only problem is, what does this have to do with Boba Fett?
1: Yeah, why wasn't this in Mando season three, and why is it here? <laughs> yeah, um,
0: or at least even you could even incorporate that idea to Boba Fett. Like, what is yeah idea? Like Boba Fett's a character that's trying to break free from this bounty hunter lifestyle but that's not like really cared about here so you know like it's just like why wasn't any of that in, any of these ideas incorporated to make Boba Fett more interesting
1: yeah and then like within chapter six I would say like the organic fan service with like the whole thing with bringing in Cobb Vance, like he's on Tatooine it makes sense that you would bring him back especially because he had boba's armor previously and then we have cad bane like he's another bounty hunter and he has some past with boba we kind of talked about that a little bit but like it even though he's him showing up is fan service i do feel like it was kind of organic like it makes sense like okay i can go with this with that whole section of that episode i I didn't have really too many issues with i, I wasn't like a huge fan of the look of cad bane but like it's it's whatever. Uh, this show looks really cheap. I'll just get over it. Um, it is <laughs> for a
0: show that's on Disney Plus. Like it literally looks very cheap. You know, you
1: know. And then we have the the detour to the Jedi, Luke's new Jedi Temple thing. But then, like, what what what's really puzzling to me about that is like, why is Ahsoka there? Like, that's where it felt like the most like fan fiction to me because like we're bringing in this character. I understand she's has the Force but like in the context of the Clone Wars and Rebels, she's left the Jedi Order. She's not a Jedi. And then within the context of even the Mandalorian, she doesn't seem to even know that Luke Skywalker exists. Like she sends off Mando in search of a potential, maybe finding a Jedi, but like, she doesn't even seem to know there is one. So like, why is she like all of a sudden, like at his temple? And I understand she was trained by his father. Like I get that. Like when she has the line, like I'm a friend of the family, but like There's no precedence to them having any sort of relationship. She's just there. And then it's like, then she goes and has a scene with Luke, which this this really felt like fan fiction to me, where she's like, you remind me of your father. That felt like something like, like, it's like, you know that fans want that scene, but it doesn't make any sense, like the mechanics of her being there. And like, what does Ygrin, What does this have to do with Boba Fett? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is this advancing the story or meaningful really in any other way, except for making people stop and clap and cry or whatever. Um,
0: and set up the Ahsoka <laughs> show.
1: Yeah. And then well, it's like, didn't Mando already do that? That was like a backdoor pilot. That episode was a backdoor pilot for that show. Why do we need to <laughs> need this also? we need to to (laughs) (laughs) and then like i like the idea the concept of seeing luke's jedi academy being built and the foundation of that is actually really compelling and something i'd like to see but i'd rather it be an actual human being playing luke and not the ai thing anyways that also has nothing to do with boba fett And like, then we have him like having this conversation with Grogu. From our understanding, Grogu has been with Luke for I don't know, like a a, week, quite like a week maybe. But like, he's having these conversations with him that make you like allude to the fact that like they didn't. He just took Grogu like and has been training him and never really talked to him at all because he's like having all these conversations about you remind me of Yoda, like, it's like, that also felt, like, very, like, do you talk backwards also? Like, it felt like it was, like, written, like, in a fan fiction, like, these questions that, like, fans would want to know about Grogu because they want to know about Yoda's species or whatever, and I'm glad they don't answer these questions, but, like, the fact they're even there felt, made it feel even more like fan fiction to me, and then you have the Order 66 flashback, which was kind of cool, it was nice seeing, like, clones in live action again, okay, yeah. And then you have this whole thing about, like, this, like, okay, now you have to choose between your daddy, uh, Mando, with his Beskar chain mail, or you can have Yoda's lightsaber, which, like, I, I, there's these, all these semantics of where did Luke even get this? Didn't Yoda lose his lightsaber in, in the prequels? But, like, within the context of the universe, it makes a little bit of sense because, like, uh, in Battlefront, too and some other things like they established that Luke's looking for these Jedi artifacts so okay maybe he found that or maybe Yoda had it on Dagobah somehow
0: he found it Uh, on list.
1: yeah whatever however it happened I I can I can overlook that but like oh we're I'm not gonna I'm not you're not gonna make your own lightsaber I'm gonna give you Yoda's because you look like Yoda and it it felt really (laughs) that also felt very fan fiction to me uh but like giving him this choice I like the idea of giving him the choice but then the way the episode ends it feels like a choose your own adventure story and it makes it feel even more like fan fiction um and then like I'm really bought like kind of perturbed by this idea that like this like the end of season two we have this uh, Luke coming to get Yoda And now that was all for nothing. Like really, I mean, there was really no purpose behind it at this point because he's just immediate, he chooses to go back to Mando. And it's like, so we just had Luke show up for Luke to show up. It like cheapens the use of Luke that they had so far, which I mean, this episode already felt like fan service anyways, but like the previous one, like it's like, okay, at least I could argue against like, okay, it wasn't just fan service. Like there was a narrative purpose for Luke to retrieve Grogu. But now that purpose has been like already, they already walked back on it. So it's like, okay, all of this was for nothing. Why are we even seeing all of this? Why didn't Man, Why didn't Grogu choose then and there to not go with Luke like and stay with Mando or something? Like, you know, it, is, it it's opens up this whole can of worms and it's like really weird to see a creator, see John Favreau within like the context of a week in the universe, Walk back on the decision he he himself made. This isn't like a <laughs> Ryan Johnson, J.J. Abrams like uh, the retcon, battle, of the whatever. Abrams. Yeah, this isn't like two creators feuding with them feuding between each other. This is one creator feuding with his own <laughs> choices, and it's just really weird to see, especially for it to happen outside of the context of that show. Even like it, it doesn't make any sense. And it's it's really interesting to behold. And, so that's that's my <laughs> rant about all of that.
0: Oh God, that was great! I laughed the entire time. Uh, and also to make matters worse, when Grogu and uh, Mando do meet again in the season finale, it's so anticlimactic. It's so it's in the middle of a chase sequence. There's no like emotional like oh this is nice. No and even if there was there's no time because there's a rancor like destroying the city
1: <laughs> not to mention have they even be separated that long like so it's like why do i like i don't feel as much as i should like it's not like it's been like years since they saw each other mandalorian so- literally saw him in the previous episode even though they didn't interact he saw him from a distance in the previous episode it's not like they have never seen each other in like years or something
0: yeah, like, that was the the one thing I commend episode six on was just being, like, holding it off.
1: I did like that. I will but, say I liked that.
0: But then they don't even pay it off very well in the next episode. So it's just, like, uh, I, it's like I saw this meme on, or this, like, tweet that, you know, man, everyone's going to, like, cry when these two characters get back together. And I'm like, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> Like, this just happened. Like, this is a thing that just happened and it has no, so now the whole emotional bond between man even the show's final shot is Mando and Grogu in the Starfighter. So it's not even, like, the show just went from, you know, being about Boba Fett to being taken over by this one the creator. I mean, you're right. John Favreau, who is basically writing all the episodes, here you know for not just this show but also mandalorian yes rick famu rick uh familia is that god i'm sorry
1: famuia
0: i um rick he did write he does like write one episode each season and dave filoni also writes an episode each season but still it's all favreau like it's all you know it's all Favreau going in on in, in on this there's no writing team there's no you know there's no Kathleen Kennedy coming in I mean I, I'm assuming Kathleen Kennedy does have a role on the show but there's no one coming in to be like wait this doesn't make sense let's rethink this so it's all just one person just writing it as in this I guess they're f- making it up as they go along and there's no and because the show kind of just was sprung on to Filoni and Favreau like just as like hey you got Boba Fett in the show why don't we do something with Boba Fett we've been trying to do a Boba Fett thing for years but every director has either been fired or it just didn't work out so um why don't you just do a Boba Fett thing in between Mando seasons and it was so he wrote the entire show himself and the result is just an unstructured chaotic you know show that doesn't really make a lot of sense has very little stakes the and also like i guess john favreau forgot that dune was coming out at the same time because now he he brings in the spice uh and i'm like Is there no other, like I thought man, I thought tattooing was like a place for moisture, like we were farming moisture, what's this whole spice thing happening now?
1: Ice is something that did exist in Star Wars before uh, Book of Boba Fett, I will say that, but like, uh, I get what you're saying though. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like it's like, like it's just like hurting my brain so much to think about all the problems and like and I don't think and Robert Rodriguez is an, also an executive producer on the show. I don't think the problem with the show is him. I feel like I don't know if you've been watching film Twitter just like erupt, you know, in k in divisive chaos again. But I mean, everyone. But there's like a whole side blaming Robert Rodriguez for like all the problems, and it's like no, John Favreau and Dave Filoni just. Are like ter- they they wrote this season very quickly and then just didn't think about it because they're now tasked with being the showrunners of four different shows. <laughs> so like that's and this is the product of they it. really need to. It.
1: They really should have like delegated some of like I, I understand Ahsoka is like Dave Filoni's baby or whatever like let him have that show.
0: Yeah, take let him, him away screwed. from
1: take him away from the other stuff. If Favreau wants to stay on Mando, cool. Like let, let Robert Rodriguez be the head showrunner of this show, you know? And it's like, and, and like you could even like promote other directors or writers to be the head showrunners of those other shows. Or like, I, I think Rick Famuyiwa would be a great replacement for John Favreau on Mando because I've really liked his episodes a lot um, or even giving him his own show, you know, whatever. Uh, like, Deborah Chow is getting Kenobi, and that's great. Uh, I liked her episodes a lot, and I'm looking forward to seeing what she does with that. Anyways, <laughs> trying to kind of bring it back to to Mando, or Book of Boba Fett, not Mando, sorry. It's all very confusing. Yeah. Um, for this finale, like, the, the, these shows have all kind of felt like Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni playing with action figures to me, but this episode was the most this any of these shows has ever felt like that like where it's like these they're like we have our action figures here for the shootout and like oh we got these droid things that are like giant droidicas and like those were kind of cool i will say that but like it's like we got all that we got this like it felt like a play set and it's like oh and boba fett comes back with the raid core and like you know it felt like a toy commercial yeah. like it like i understand that merchandise is a huge part of star wars and I, I don't mind things being in Star Wars for the purpose of selling toys. It's always been like that. But like this really felt like them just sitting there playing with action figures. It didn't feel like there was any cohesive narrative to it all.
0: Yeah. And on top of that, the Rancor now looks like a monster from the Gloverfield universe. So um, so that's there. so I guess JJ Abrams' monsters are all like Rancor, like rejected Rancor designs um but no and then the rancor just like starts destroying the very city bubba fett's trying to protect so and and it takes a baby which again i (laughs) they bring a baby into battle again (laughs) it's
1: really weird because they literally introduce a character who is meant to calm the rancor they have this rancor keeper (laughs) who is played by danny trejo and instead of just using this character they introduced in the show, they have to, like, shoehorn Grogu in and make Grogu be the one to calm him. Which, I, I it make within the context of this mess they've created, sure, that's fine. It's nothing I have a huge problem with. But, like, it feels weird that it's like you have a character that could serve this exact purpose who is a new character that you created for this show. And instead of using that, you bring in Grogu because people like Baby Yoda, and it's it's just baffling to see these choices being made. And then like you you don't even have to do that; like you could have Boba Fett be the one to calm the Rancor because they have a bond or whatever. Um,
0: But he's fighting. But he's the one fighting Cade Bane or whatever. So he, so like it's just also that's the other funny thing. He leaves this Rancor to fight cat it's catbane, right yes uh okay he leaves them and then they have this fight and he he's not immediately like oh i left a red core in the city to <laughs> you know to go and rage like it's just yeah and where is danny trejo like danny trejo is like a robert rodriguez staple where is he <laughs> mm-hmm. like nowhere to be found in this finale
1: like, he's like the one character in the show that they didn't kill off that or uh, that just doesn't show up again like and i and i it's cool that danny trejo's in star wars but it's like why didn't you use him again they're like doing he didn't he's just i guess he's just chilling at Jabba's palace or what i don't know it's weird
0: yeah oh well well eh, whatever but All right, so what else can we say about the book of Boba Fett?
1: Um, I'm going to kind of regurgitate what I've told you previously about the Cad Bane Boba Fett thing. Like, it felt really weird. Like, you know, I've talked about so much about so much of this being driven by fan service. And then to bring in this, like, fan favorite character from the Clone Wars, kill him off anticlimactically, kind of, like, directly juxtapose your own message of this over, or what we think is the message of Boba Fett trying to be a better person by having him kill this character in cold blood, just like kind of stab him with your little goffy stick. And like the fact that you're killing this character, thats a you bring this character in because fans like him, just for them to watch him die on screen in live action, like that's really weird choices to me. And it's like, you didn't even really use his character to his fullest in live action because he showed up for like well like you could probably combine his screen time and call it one episode because he showed up for a few <laughs> minutes at the beginning of the at the end of the last episode and now he's here.
0: Yeah. It's basically you can sum it up in an email. Like that's really mm-hmm. what it is. Like you can just like <laughs> and it's really like sad because or it's not really sad but it's just really like weird and baffling because this is a fan favorite character from clone wars and your whole decision making process as chaotic as it is uh is solely based on pleasing the fans and in the first season of this show in within 10 minutes of this character being in the show basically he dies like and it's supposed to feel like this monumentous like arc this you know thing this character you know has come across and is now like a threshold that he has now crossed that you know is for the better you know um i won't spoil it for you david but on episode seven of peacemaker there's something similar to this that happens uh and it's so much way better way better done um And like, and you'll be, it's like night and day how they do this, like how they like resolve this one character arc in the show. Uh, So, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, But I just wanted to kind of bring up that because it's like, that's like what's so incredible, because that's kind of like the difference between, and we'll kind of talk about this in the Peacemaker episode. Like there's this, like, Both both Peacemaker and Boba Fett have like tiny structural, or they both have like their own problems. But what Peacemaker is doing is a lot better than what's happening here in Boba Fett. It's more, it's less chaotic Mm -hmm. uh, in their decision making. Um, But but yeah, I mean, so to kind of wrap things up here the the book of Boba Fett kind of just presents a problem, and now that, you know, they've basically wrapped Mando season three, because uh, that's what they, they did this all back to back. It's like, oh God. Like, they did this, and it's like getting, in you're just imagining, oh my God, John Favreau is writing all these episodes, and like, how much more chaotic is this going to be? Also, like, how much can Favreau do because I mean he's just writing these episodes he's not directing you know I, I mean this is a lot to write all these episodes and to come up with a structure maintain the vision of the show in your head how I'm not can playing he-
1: happy Hogan you know <laughs>
0: yeah oh yeah and doing other projects I mean he has a chef the a chef show on Netflix I mean he's also, I mean, he's probably looking for other things to direct. So I mean, yeah, I mean it's just there's like John Favreau has his own like plate in and, and John Favreau is a I, I still stand by Favreau as a very good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, even his season two uh, premiere episode of Mandalorian, it's really well done. Like it's a very that
1: episode is phenomenal. He's <laughs> really yeah. well directed.
0: I kind of wish Favreau directed more. If to be honest, if we could have like more like writers work on yeah. the show to kind of they should help. have
1: a writers' room, like a, an actual writers' room, like most series do.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I I feel like that would kind of help more. Like even if it's just like an extra writer or two. Like I don't know how like involved Fimua is with the Mando writing. Like just him and Favreau writing the show. And of course, Filoni. But I mean, I have to imagine it there. He has to have some input in it because Mandalorian does not have like these structural problems Mm -hmm. at all. Like, you know, in like, like this is the first time I'm noticing like the structural issues because Mandalorian, for all of its like, you know, holding back and, you know, You know, pausing the plot for a little bit, like it's still very much like a serialized show. Like it's still an adventure show that keeps going. You know, for it's for all of its eight episode, you know, shows, it's all it keeps going. It keeps moving the show rather than stall. So I wonder what happened. And yeah, I I don't know, I just I wasn't that impressed. And even more so, I felt like there was some the effects in here that was some of the worst that you know have come out of the volume yet. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, this show feels a little cheaper and it doesn't really quite work. I feel bad for Tamaran Morrison because he's very passionate about playing this character. He finally gets his own show, and this is like the best he gets sidelined. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's like sidelined in his own TV show. You know, and even like, you know, his co-star, you know, is also like sidelined, you know, and they're like, they're all sidelined for, you know, for chaotic reasons. So and it's even more frustrating to think about because you know, of what Lucasfilm is passing up, whether it be Patty Jenkins's Rogue Squadron or you know Ryan Johnson's trilogy, and this is what's getting passed. Yeah, <laughs> it that's like what's yeah, it's not great. Um, but yeah, okay, so that's that's all my thoughts. Do you have any more on Bubba Fett?
1: Uh, just really quick, there's like this post-credit scene where we see someone at a back-to-tank. The way they kind of they don't they they don't make it very clear the way they show it, but like apparently that was Cobb Vanth, so he's not actually dead because in Star Wars we don't kill off our male characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: oh god, no, we just kill like
1: Jennifer people. Beals apparently and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we kill oh. off Tandy Newton, and uh, what What other, who else is there? I'm sure there's, I can think of some. We killed Carrie
0: Fisher. Um, uh, we, well, to
1: be fair, that was kind of a weird situation. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of hard.
0: We killed Jen Erso, uh, Felicity Jones. Um, I could just go on, you know um but yeah that's interesting but yeah Cobb Vance is gonna you know come back in Timothy which is great because Timothy Oliphant actually is good in the shows like he's good in, and he's in- a
1: great yeah he's a great character uh I'd love to see more of him but it's weird that like they had this whole like even within the context of the finale they leave you with the impression that he's dead and then all of a sudden oh he's in a, he's, he's just chilling in my back to tank what and so well, I guess he's gonna be like a cyborg person because they have that guy that did the Enhancements on Finikshan, Shand like he's like, and then they have the cringy techno music playing, like, and it's is like, what is uh, man? We have fallen from the glory of John Williams for this this garbage.
0: I know. <laughs> Although Little White Gorranson is innocent because the main theme. He didn't of,
1: compose. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, the main theme of this show is actually pretty good. Uh, it it's you know the other co uh, composer from Bad Trip. That did the score for this. Mm. I yeah. like.
1: There's some things in this I like um, in terms of the score, but like, like the episodes that were kind of like a Mando, uh, Book of Oafet crossover. They did this one thing where they like blended their themes and like the title card, and that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I didn't like the cybernetic techno, like dubstep, whatever. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then the other thing is, like I do love that each episode ends with the concept art again. Um, mm-hmm. great stuff.
1: It just reminds you how much better the show could look.
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, most certainly. yeah, it's amazing what would happen if we didn't just hire like, you know, if we got like people who actually know how to film stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Um, uh, I think that's it on the book of Boba Fett um, we've ranted um, we've tr- you know we read all of our we read our reviews um, like you would a book and um, yeah I cannot wait for Obi-Wan Kenobi you know hoping <laughs> since it's not <laughs> written all, all by John Favreau
1: <laughs> yeah that is one reassuring thing about it like the fact he's not involved at all like that actually makes me pretty happy
0: <laughs> yeah and this was the show that got delayed a year because they were rewriting the scripts so it'll be interesting to see what stays and what it'll be interesting to see like what the result is of that show and i think it's uh, you know also like it's uh, it's uh, it's great to have this character come back finally um and we get a little break from Star Wars, even if it's just like three and a half months.
1: Yeah. Well, we're not going to have much break this year because there's this, and then Andor is going to be another thing. And then Mando season three will probably be shortly after that. And the cycle will never end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Between that and, and Marvel.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Ahsoka will probably be sometime next year. Because they're starting, yeah, because I think they're starting filming this spring, so all right well with that uh david where can the good people find you uh
1: you can find me on twitter at wiser underscore david um i also have a blog called film assessment um i'll be putting up we, we talked about our best of the year for 2021 i haven't finished putting together my post yet but that'll be up uh i don't want to give a concrete timeline but it'll, it'll be up soon but uh that maybe even two, I don't know. It, it'll it be up at some point. And uh, the most recent thing I've written is a review for uh, No Time to Die, I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, you can go check that out and watch, read a bunch of old reviews if you'd like. Um, if you wanna see my rants about Boba Fett, uh, it's all over Twitter and uh, we talked about it here. Um, I, it's great to be back, Kale. Um, I enjoyed talk, ranting with you
0: oh uh, it's no problem uh no problem and thank you for coming on the show um so with that uh we will be back next week i think i think yeah death on the nile will be the next one uh because like i said we got all this champagne to get rid of you were all once captains under of the hut i'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial I speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich. What prevents us all from killing you
1: and taking what we want?
0: If you had spoken such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please. Speak freely.